So this message has been on my heart for several months and has been written way before the situation we're facing today and have been walking through this week. And so I'm going to just give it as it was without altering anything except for something I've omitted from the beginning because, because of the circumstances it would have come across very insensitive. This whole message is about the freedom we get and the freedom we have because of our relationship with Jesus. And as believers, we talk a lot about, as born-again believers, we talk a lot about having a personal relationship with Jesus. But in many conversations I have with people, we don't, we don't necessarily know beyond the protocols of what being saved means and how to actually be in a relationship with this unseen Savior. And we sometimes we put language around the relationship because language helps, language explains. But sometimes language is actually a barrier. So in this message, I just want us to think, what, what does it mean? What does it mean to be in relationship with Jesus? And this morning during worship time, I just felt like the Lord was... One is to each evaluate, each look at how is our relationship with Jesus. Do we feel like he's far away right now? Do we feel like he's not aware? Do we feel like he doesn't care? Which Bluntly put, are valid emotions, but all specific lies from the enemy. He doesn't see, he doesn't care, and he doesn't know. Like those are, we see all over. Like in our mind, we know that that's not true. But in our heart, we have those doubts. I have those doubts. And the enemy just wants to speak over and over. He doesn't see this. Yeah, he may care for these other people over here, but he doesn't see for me. He doesn't care for me. He doesn't know for me. And theologically, we know that those are total lies, but they're so insidious and persistent and can be deadly. I'm a very passionate person, I speak very passionately. My opinions? So please, hear the heart of the Father this morning, not my words, not my passion or opinion, but the heart of the Father that he loves you, he sees you, he cares for you, he knows exactly what, where you're at. He knows all the other things going on in life apart from this present, present issue that is roaring. Can we just wait on the Lord for a moment and, and we'll pray. Father, for 
for everybody in this room and every friend and family member of this body and the extended body of Christ, would you fill their rooms? Would you fill their living rooms, their kitchens, their bedrooms, their family rooms, wherever, wherever they are right now with you? Would you cause them, would you cause all of us to become more aware of your tangible presence, of your manifest nearness, your manifest presence, your indwelling of your Holy Spirit? You are transcendent and mighty and powerful above everything. Every other voice bows to your voice. And yet you dwell in our innermost being. Would you strengthen us today? Would you strengthen us in our innermost being by your spirit that we would know that you dwell in us by faith? I don't have enough faith. We don't have enough faith apart from you to even believe that you're alive and dwelling in us. It is your spirit that strengthens us in our innermost being. Would you do that this morning? Would you do that today? In Jesus' name. So the main, the main passage for today is John 15. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me? This is, this is Jesus speaking. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can bear nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in, in, in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are not now, you are not now, oops, I'm skipping this up. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I have learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my Father's name will be given to you. This is my command. Love one another. So point, point one, what is relationship with the true vine? John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. So relationship with the vine is Jesus. Jesus is the vine. We're his branches. We grow out of him, so to speak. So, so that relationship is not one we started. He chose us. He began to, he initiated that. If we back up a little bit, John 13, Jesus is with his disciples. This is now time for the Passover is coming, and they're sitting at their table together. This is, this is their last supper. They're all together, and Jesus takes off his outer robe and begins to wash their feet. And Peter is like, Peter's funny because he knows Christ is already the Messiah. He knows Jesus is already the Christ. We know this from Matthew 15 or 16. That, the whole interaction with Jesus and Peter, him asking them, well, who do you say I am, Peter? And he says, well, you're the Christ. That happened before this. So he already knows who Jesus really is. And he knows the Messiah, the Savior, Christ, should not be wiping my feet. Because in his mind, he's like, I'm not going to wipe anyone else's feet. That's servant's job. And so he somewhat arrogantly, somewhat thinking he's saying something to prove, he's like, oh, you're not, you're not going to wash my feet, Jesus. And Jesus is like, well, unless I do this, you, can, you, you can't be part of me. You're not, we, we can't be together. If I don't do this, you have no part in me. Meaning, if I don't wash you, if I don't clean you, if my blood doesn't pay the price for all your sins and wrong actions, we, we can't be friends. And, and Peter, I want to be friends. I want to be your best friend. I want you to be my best friend. I'm dying for you. Like, this is all loaded in that interaction. And they don't, they don't quite get it. Well, then he says, wash all of me then, Lord, if that's what it must be. And, and he's like, settle, buddy. I've already made you clean. I'm going to die for you. I just need to wash your feet. While we walk this earth, as believers, if we already are, know Jesus, we already are in relationship with him, we're still going to get dirt on our feet. He doesn't have to, he's already washed our whole bodies. He's already made us clean by his blood. He's just going to keep wiping the things that get on us off of us. Our own sins, the lies we believe, the sicknesses we get, the trouble we get ourselves into or comes upon us. Just going to wash that dirt off. Relationship with the true vine means we're not alone. It means we're never alone. Even if I ran as far as I could east to west, I'm not alone. If I go to the highest mountaintop, he's there. And I've climbed, climbed some peaks, climbed some mountains, he's there. 
Now, I never scuba dived to hundreds of feet, but I've snorkeled to 30 feet. He's there. <laughs> He's everywhere. Hebrews 13, 5, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Like, we know that. <laughs> I know that. But in here, that gets messed up, like, all the time. Because there's winds and waves all the time. Except for the occasional nice day at sea where it's, where it's smooth sailing. Those don't come around very often. But, but we forget that he's always with us. We forget that he, when he said, we're going to the other side, and he takes a nap in the boat, we're going to the other side. Even if the other side is death. Because it's not death. It's, it's, it's life in him, eternal life. It may be dead to this natural world, but his promise is true. He's going to take us to the other side. We're going to get there. And there's going to be some storms along the way. Many of you have heard my testimony, how God met me and miraculously delivered me from drugs and alcohol. That was a dynamic experience. But the best thing about that whole encounter that morning was his response. Is that, God, if you are real... My accusation against him and question, if you're, if you're real, God, if you are who you say you really are, if you're real, be more satisfying than these drugs. And Jesus came into that room and put his arm around me and I wept and I wept and I wept for an hour and I was weeping because he was there. And he said, I'm never going to leave you. Over and over and over. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to leave you. And that spoke to the core issue. The fear of abandonment that had been ruling my life. And thoughts and actions were all fruited from this root of fear and abandonment. Does that mean in that moment that was instantly, then I never dealt with fear and abandonment issues? No! <laughs> I still have to face those. But I'm free from those. Those issues are no longer my issues. They try to attack me. They try to at times. But I know he's there because I'm in relationship with him. And not just in a language sense of speaking about a relationship. I actually know Jesus. And I actually know the Father because I know Jesus because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. And Jesus is one with the Father and I am one with Jesus. I will never leave you. Ever, 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 ever leave you. Point two is remaining in relationship. So here it gets a little confusing. We'll move on to John 14. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to be with you always. And, and 
he's about to say, remain in me. <laughs> but he's also been telling them he's leaving. <laughs> he's been hinting for quite some time now that, that he's leaving. Pointing to the crucifixion, pointing to his death and resurrection. He's been hinting and then a few times even just flat out saying it. <laughs> like, how confusing. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And they're all like, yeah, 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 good. Jesus, okay, you're, yeah, you're the, okay. Like, imagine being these guys actually with him, seeing him do all this stuff in three years. I'm never going to leave you. And, then, and like, all of a sudden, hey, I'm going to be leaving. But you said you're never going to leave us. And, not, and, and they don't know this, but very shortly, in a couple moments, he's going to say, remain in me. So how in the world does this make any sense? Well, Jesus explains himself. He says, it's actually better that I go. Because my Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. That Spirit is going to come upon you and dwell in you. It's the comforter. It's, it's, it's power. It's, it's the teacher. Like it's actually going to be way better for everybody that I go. But I'm going to return. And I always will be with you by my spirit. We're going to be one still. I just can't imagine. I mean, I struggle now. <laughs> like... What? I can't imagine hearing that information firsthand. Like, what are you talking about? So, remaining in relationship is done by this interaction, this, this spirit of God that lives in us, that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead that lives in us. We are able to interact with the Father and with Jesus. So, it says, remaining in him, how we remain in him is if we obey his teachings, we obey his commands. If you love me, you will obey my teachings. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Well, we know his command is to love each other. And we know from other parts of scripture, New Testament scripture, that the two greatest commandments are to love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love our neighbors ourselves. And like this is just another way of saying that. Remain in me indicates you're loving me. Okay, you're in relationship with me. And then how you stay in relationship with me is you also you love those around you. All of the Old Testament commandments. The Ten Commandments and what the prophets spoke is all summed up, meaning if you love God and love those around you, you're going to accomplish all of the Ten Commandments. You're going to accomplish everything the prophets said. In today's modern culture, we have to define what love is. It's not just Letting people do whatever or condoning, we can all do whatever we want, right? We're all accountable for our own actions and our own behaviors. And we, we don't need to be policing people. That's what the Pharisees tried to do. That does not work. But that doesn't mean 
we condone and join in and even all say, oh, okay, that's good if you want to do that, sure. We need, we need to speak to things that aren't true from love. We're not going to unpack all of, of the definition of love today. That's another whole nother several messages. So what does it mean? So that's great, Joe. You talked about the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and you talked about remaining in Him by, by obeying His teachings, by loving those around us, by loving Him and loving those around us. Okay, that all makes sense. But still, it doesn't explain what is this relationship. Like, how do I have a relationship with someone I can't see? It's very confusing. When we try to figure it out up here, when we live out of up here. But when we live, and up here is our mind, when we live out of here, out of our spirit, out of our innermost being, we connect. So, here's this analogy. Let's pretend... Let's pretend I'm, I'm about to go out to dinner. Ashley was going to be here this morning. She's at home with the kids. Uh, I'm going to go out to dinner with Ashley, and we're, we're going to sit, and we're going to talk. Because I'm in a relationship. It's my wife. And I sit down, and I'm on my phone, and she's talking, and I'm just doing this. And like, it's amazing that my thumb, thumb knows just how to do this, right? <laughs> so, and I'm doing this. I won't say she ever does that. I do that. <laughs> so I'm doing this, and she's talking. Is that like, and then I'm like, well, man, why won't, you t- why won't you do stuff with me? Why don't you tell me what she wants? Uh, she's like, I've been trying to talk to you, but you're doing your own thing. Oh, yeah, sorry. So there, there's that. There's that so can be part of a relationship. Like, we don't even acknowledge that he is sitting, Jesus is sitting right here next to us. Wanting to engage us, wanting to talk to us, wanting us to come and commune at the dining table with him and interact and talk. Like, literally talk. That's what praying is, right? Praying is just talking to him. It doesn't need to be fancy religious language, it's just talking to him like we would each other. And he's actually here, like, he's actually sitting with us and to be able to talk to him. And then. Be silent and listen and let him talk. So there's, there's that, there's that. Then there's, this is sometimes how we approach Jesus or how our relationship goes. Okay, Jesus, Ashley, Ashley's not Jesus. Jesus is sitting right here, right? And, he, he, and we have something we need urgent. We need to talk to him about. We want to talk to him about. And we're like, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, Jesus. And he's like, buddy, Buddy, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. Jesus! Do you see what's going on? <laughs> Buddy, would you just take a deep breath and calm down? Okay, then we get to the place of, or I get to the place of, okay. Okay, Jesus. Okay, I, I, now I see you. You're right here. I, I see you. Okay, now we need to, I got this is, do you, do you see what's going on? Hey, buddy. I love you. Jesus, I know, I know you love me. I know you love me. Just, just listen. Do you see? We got to figure out what to... Hey, buddy. Do you just look into my eyes for a minute? 
Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I know, I know you like my eyes, but, but uh, can, can I just, I just, please, I'm really struggling. Buddy, you're so fearfully, wonderfully made. I love you. When we can't see him, and we think he's far, we have all these crazy responses. And when we can pull ourselves to the place of, okay, he's right here, we still haven't ceased. We're still all over the place. At least I am in my life. And we don't actually know or believe that he is God. Psalm 46.10, be still, or another translation, cease striving, and know that I'm God. It It just kills everything that is not of him. It just kills it. It kills lies, it kills fears, it kills sickness and disease, worry, anxiety, anger, lust. Like, those are just like the big ones that we regularly see surface. We have to, we just have to talk with him. And then listen, because he already knows anything, everything anyways. He already knows every situation. Well, what if he doesn't really have anything to say? I feel like I've sat there and he's not, he's not talking. He just wants you to look at him straight in the eye. He just wants to behold you. Because he made you so beautiful and wild and unique. He just, he just wants to gaze upon his masterpiece that he's making. Because he has every solution and every answer. And they're not that important to him as far as being concerned about it because he's not worried or troubled. We are. He has every answer. He cares that we're worried and troubled, but he's just like, oh my goodness, you, you are so sweet, dude. You're just made so amazing. I love, I love that I've done this in you and I love how I've made you. But we don't want to hear that. We want, to, we want to talk about what we're upset about or worried about. To make it clear, he wants to get to those things. He's, and he's going to get to all those things. They're just not his priority. The next point is freedom that comes in remaining. Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, don't become enslaved again. Don't become enslaved again. It's for freedom that he set us free. This freedom to choose him. Not freedom to just do whatever we want, however we want, because we're our own masters. That's not real Christianity. That's that's not being in relationship with Jesus Freedom that comes in remaining 
is because he wants our joy to be complete. Not happiness. Not the pursuit of happiness. Happiness comes and goes, and happiness is fed externally. Happiness comes from, uh, oh, my wife made me this cup. This is, this is sweet. And I can have a, a drink of water, or I can go to a movie, or, you know, all those things. Like, that brings me happiness. But it doesn't bring me joy. Joy, it comes from the inside out, from the innermost being, from our spirit out. It permeates and takes over darkness and pushes out selfishness because happiness is about selfishness at its root. When I'm full of joy, I can take this, and this isn't satisfying me and I have to have, oh, I have to have her make me more cups, and I better make sure I have this, and I better go to more movies, and I mean, I love movies. Everyone the staff knows, so many of my prophetic words comes from watching movies. I love movies. But if I'm going to the movies to be satisfied, if I'm doing something to fill, it's, it's not going to do it. And they'll bring moments, sure. Sure, that's why drugs are so powerful, because it brings moments of relief but joy from the inside out causes and enables me to enjoy all the blessings not be addicted to all the blessings causes me to enjoy them it, joy crushes entitlement really quiet. I don't know if that's because there's only a few of us or <laughs> but it's because he wants us to be complete. He wants us to be free from all the things and all the stuff, not just the lies and the sickness, but from all the distractions and and things that feed our flesh. He just wants us to be free. Because he knows we'll be complete. Our joy will be complete. Freedom that comes in remaining means we're no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves to sin and death. But we're no longer slaves to all the other things. It means we're friends with God. Free to remain in him and follow him. So how do we stay free then? We remain in his love. And we remain in him and we follow his commands which is to love one another. This is the fruit he wants to see. This is the fruit. If we remain in him that is naturally going to happen. So it's not like it's not like we have oh my gosh we have to love people. Oh. If it's that hard to love I mean I can be very difficult to love sometimes. Other people can be very difficult to love sometimes. If it takes so much strength to love somebody, we're probably not remaining in him. It should be very easy for us. Well, they did this and said this. Yeah, because they're, they're just as broken as you are, Joe. 
They're just as confused as you are. They're just as fearful as you are. Like, they're not going through anything that you haven't or aren't. It just looks different. So we love each other. Automatically by being attached to Jesus and in relationship with him and how well we're loving each other is a sign of our maturity and is a sign of how much we actually love Jesus or maybe we have some dead branches. Those dead branches, only Jesus can take care of those. He's the gardener. That hurts when that happens. I've had that happen in my life. Where it's not pruning, it's that was that was dead. That needed to be broken off. <laughs> but I've also had pruning. And that that hurts and is confusing. Like, wait, this was beautiful. Like this was really good. Yeah, it, but he was. And so I'm gonna cut it right here because that bud is now dying. It was beautiful for that season. And we're going to cut this because now it's going to multiply. It doesn't look like it's going to multiply at first. It looks like I'm cutting it off because I am. But it's going to multiply and blossom in season. Because I actually really like what is happening there. Because you've been remaining in me. And now this thing that I've put in you is budding and growing and alive. The last point is freedom or friendship that brings freedom. It's Jesus' friendship with us and for us before we were even his friends. He was a friend to us. It's that friendship that brought freedom to us. Like he went and died on the cross before any of us were born. He was a friend to us when we hated him. When I hated him and spat on his face and slandered his name all over the place he just took it because he loved me like I treated you horribly Jesus and you just forgive me and it's okay it's, we're going to move on together and grow in love and it wasn't just one time I still do things that are spitting in his face that is a lash to him on the cross. And every time he forgives. No, it's not purposeful. This doesn't mean I just do whatever I want whenever I want. No, I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. We need to aim small. Jesus said, be holy for I am holy. Like, so that's the, the target, is this minuscule, impossible thing. But we know from Romans 8, that the Spirit of God lives in us and, and we can say no to sin. Like the power to say no comes from the Holy Spirit. That's His grace, His empowerment. So we could possibly, potentially say no every time because Jesus did Himself. Yes, He was God, but He emptied Himself. He was the model. He showed us. Now, He had the Holy Spirit in fullness. We don't, so... But the Bible says, if you sin, it's not when you sin, he's going to forgive us and there, there's his blood. It's, it's if we do. So there's this, this hope and anticipation to not sin, to choose life, not death. 
So it's his relationship that brought that freedom to us from death into life. But he also brings freedom to fear, anxiety, depression, sickness. Like most of us every day aren't probably thinking about the day we're going to die. Maybe in a little dark, I think about that a lot. Like I can't wait to see you, Jesus, like face to face. For an Enneagram or however you say it, I'm, I've been told I'm a four. That means I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> And feelings are really strong, especially when there's a lot of darkness around us. And when we get our eyes on that darkness, it's just, it becomes hopeless. So I, I think about seeing him face to face a whole lot. I think about today and everything going on, good or bad. And then I think about that day when it's like, it's all going to be good. So friendship that brings uh, freedom. Our friendship to each other brings freedom. This is the whole laying down our lives for each other. We lay down our lives. Is that, what does that look like practically? Well, that looks like a conversation that maybe goes on more than 15 minutes or five minutes. In other countries, those difficult conversations, I've, I've had them. In Uganda, I've sat and talked with people for hours upon hours, and maybe we've done that. But typically in the U.S., we're paying a psychologist to listen to those problems, right? But friendship brings freedom. Friendship lays down their life and sits for hours and listens and talks and days and walks. It empathizes, but it doesn't empathize where it stays there forever with the person. No, it's empathy with sympathy. We're getting out of this. We're not staying here. You're not staying here because I love you. I'm in this hole with you. I feel all this with you. I see all this with you. I know how hard it is. And I am not judging that whatsoever. But we're not staying here. We're not staying here. You can't stay here. Empathize. Empathizing with sympathy. Or having sympathy with empathy. So the last thing I want to share... We started the Freedom Ministry, oh, back in September was officially when it started. You guys probably heard me talk about it in August. We've prayed for uh, about 70 people. We've had 12 or 13 sessions, prayed for about 70 people. Almost every session, there's, there's just this beautiful peace and presence, and everyone's like, oh, I feel so much better. Thank you. And it really is just the Holy Spirit coming and bringing peace and shutting down lies and people have visions of Jesus coming to them and, and they're dancing with Jesus and he's speaking things to them and giving them different pictures. That's all been beautiful. Those are beautiful things. Then we've had an extreme demonic manifestation where this voice is speaking and saying, you can't have her, she's mine, she's never getting free, and it's like, it's not her voice. And in 20 minutes, we silenced that thing by the blood of Jesus. And we didn't yell at her, we didn't scream at her, we spoke to that spirit, you be quiet in Jesus' name. And you let go of her. 
And afterwards, she just thanked us so much because we didn't yell at her. She's been many places where they've yelled at her, yelled at the demon and yelled at her, and she's so very traumatic, and we just loved her. And the power of the Holy Spirit took over and filled that place and filled that room. So that was amazing. And she's not 100% free. She's still on the journey. But there was a dynamic encounter then. But my, my personal favorite testimony or favorite story is this, and I have permission to share it. We had a, a woman come in that is entering retirement, or she's at retirement, and uh, so she's in her 60s, and as a young girl, doesn't remember exactly when, 8, 9, 10, her grandfather began to molest her. And she doesn't even remember what all transpired, right? And she's, she'd worked on forgiveness. Like, she's, she's a born-again believer. She's been walking with the Lord for decades. But this thing was still hurting her and affecting her relationships. And she knew that. And she knew she just needed to come in. And so she shares what she can and the Lord was kind of taking her uh, back to that place and time and kind of theophastically, so to speak, like showing her kind of what was going on and getting some memories back type thing. And, and, uh, but she couldn't see where Jesus was. She just, she couldn't see where he was. She didn't understand why Jesus didn't come and stop it. And like she has some theology and, and right thoughts, but she just, she's like, I just... Why? I know he does it sometimes and not others. Why didn't he, why wasn't he there? And we, this was a while. This was about half an hour, 45 minutes of our time. And, uh, and we have a team. There's usually two or three of us that are praying with someone. And, and uh, I had this picture. And I said, I, I just, I want to give you this. I don't want to force this on you. But I said, I, I see Jesus behind you with his arms wrapped around you, pulling you into him. And, and, and he was with you the whole time. Like he was holding you from behind. And that's why you couldn't see him. And she just broke and began to weep. And oh my goodness, he was there the whole time. So that was the first session. We're like, I think you should come in for one more. That was really good. Um, and she felt really good, but, but there's just some more stuff. In the second session, um, I was on the team again, and one of our other, other uh, prayer leaders, she was leading uh, this woman and dealing and cutting off all these different soul ties and doors that were open type thing, like to her past that the enemy was coming in through still. Um, and that was just amazing. Like, because of what had happened, her life became very broken for quite some time, and so lots of different things happen. We're just, just cutting different things off. And that was also very dynamic. And in that time, she talked about the things she was maybe hoping to do in retirement. Which she loved to paint and, and art. And, you know, she just didn't, and, you know, she didn't know exactly what, was, what the next step was type thing or season. And so we're like, that's great. And the whole team felt like one more session. You just, you just need one more. And this is going to be the session where God just fills you and meets you. And so she comes back, uh, it was two or four weeks later, and uh, we just put some soaking worship music on, and we're just, we're just waiting on the Holy Spirit to begin to move. 
And the presence of God so filled that room, I kept saying, I was like, I'm sorry, I can hardly talk. Like the manifest presence of God was so thick. And one of the other prayer leaders is just, tears are just flowing down her face. Like the manifest presence of God was so thick. And it was just like, oh my goodness, to this woman. I was like, he loves you so much. And she's just sitting there in tears. And it was just so amazing. And then, and then I had, had this picture of, of okay, we re- remember, we knew, we knew she liked art and, and painting. Well, I had this picture of her sitting maybe in her living room, but in this room where there was art supplies and easels, but she was at a table, and she was actually writing. And she was writing, and it was, it was like, as she wrote, Jesus was there, and it was like bringing more and more healing to her heart as she wrote. And then I could see she was writing things that talked about um, um, how she's been safe with Jesus. Everything was, were different stories about how uh, she found that she was safe with Jesus. And then she began to color them and like put illustrations. And I was like, this, this could be like a children's book. These are, these are stories to children telling them and encouraging them that, Jesus, that they're safe with Jesus. And like I saw the title was Safe with Jesus. And, and I'm like, so I don't... And she looks at me and she goes, many people have told me I should write children's books. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? So in two months, she comes, and, she, and, then, and then after that, next week, she emails again. She says, I am on, my, on the road. I'm on my way to complete freedom. And she's sending other people she knows to us. I'm just like, are you kidding? Like, this is, this is like Pastor Tom always says. We just get the front row seat to what God is doing. We've gone through some training, but we don't really know what, what the Holy Spirit is just there doing this stuff. I've just, it's so incredible and uh, it's all the Holy Spirit. It's all Jesus coming and freeing. But we're bringing Jesus because our relationship with Jesus and our friendship with Jesus, we're bringing to others to bring them freedom. That's the multiplication. That's the bearing fruit. So where, worship team, you guys can make your way. So where, where is our relationship right now? Where individually where are we at? Do we, need, do we need some freedom? Is fear reigning right now? And it's okay if it is. I mean, it's not okay that it is, but it's okay to acknowledge and admit it is. There's no judgment in that. There's no shame in that. There's no condemnation in that. But we can't stay there. We can't stay there. We, we have to look into his eyes. We have to look into his eyes and see the fire and the compassion and the love that breaks every lie, every sickness, every disease. And if it's not in this world, in this earth, it's in the next. We have to look from eternal perspective. We have to begin there. What does Jesus say about me? And that's, that's in eternity. That's in our perfect state. And where am I right now? And that those same promises are applied to today, are applied to this earth. But sometimes it's a seed. I mean, many of us have seen the miraculous. 
But we've also seen death naturally win, so to speak. But it's really not death winning because that's just the tent coming off. It's just the tent coming off. We're going to do a song. We're going to do No Longer Slaves. And I just encourage everybody in their homes, where they're listening, if you're you're listening in your car, pull over. If you're driving, wherever you're at, can we be one in spirit and sing this song? We don't have to be present to be one in spirit and to be unified. So let's, if you're, if you're with your family or your friends, I just encourage you to just, if you've been listening and are doing a little other things, or normally this is when, you're, when, it's, when it's time to be done, let's sing this song together. Let's sing this song together. We're no longer slaves. We are children of God.